Welcome everybody to another episode of the Nerd Continuity, where we talk about design, development, and all the other crazy sort of stuff that we find online. I'm your host, Alex, and with me, as usual, the super sexy co-host, Chris <laughs> Perko. Hello, Chris. Hello. How's it going, Alex? Pretty good, pretty good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Nice. Did you get your Napolitan pizza? Not yet. We're going to do it uh, after the after record. Nice. Do you yeah. have a favorite go-to place in Atlanta? Yeah, we place uh it's right down the street called uh sapori di napoli oh uh, yes uh, tastes of napoli basically yeah this is so naples. i i think that the person who started it is from naples but uh I I mean, i'm gonna so. say that he does <laughs> it's um, okay. but yeah it's it's really good i've never been to italy but uh it is some amazing pizza yeah no i was telling you before north america nailed down the pizza making business it's just like fantastic it's uh, like in every part of the united states and canada mm -hmm. it's slightly different but yeah. it's good like it's not like in the early 90s where you go in a shitty fake italian place <laughs> and you get fake pizza that yeah. they pretend it's original so yeah no it's good it's good nice good stuff yeah. good stuff <laughs> i recently experienced uh, a bit of lack of technology um, I was coming back from a, a work trip and on the flight back, you know, I was using my phone, I was on Twitter and everything. And all of a sudden the phone just crashed and I had been planning on getting a new phone for a while, but it just got to the point where it got into like this reboot cycle. I couldn't, I couldn't get it to fully boot. Oh. So I didn't, I didn't have a cell phone for about a week. Um, and getting from the airport to home without using Uber or anything, you know, I'd take the train, I had to walk and all this stuff. <laughs> and, uh, it was just like. Yeah, there's no payphones anymore. Oh yeah, it's true. How do you how do you talk to people without uh, your your yeah. mobile phone? I mean, luckily I had uh you know my my work computer and I was able to message my wife and I was like, hey, you know, I'm gonna take the train home or whatever because I couldn't get into Uber or Lyft because I would go into the accounts and be like, okay, we're gonna send a text message to your phone to yeah. confirm the identity. Like I can't get text messages. <laughs> <laughs> the two the, the two factor authentication daunting yes. side that if you lost your phone or it doesn't work, you can you can't use your accounts. That's yeah, right. exactly. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How how did you feel for that week? Like how was uh, it? It was very weird. It was it was kind of good in a way because. I didn't wake up in the morning and I was instantly e reading emails and, and tweets and, mm. you know, checking Facebook. I, I just got up and I was like, all right, I'm going to let my dogs out. I'm going to get breakfast. And, and I didn't actually see my emails or anything until I actually sat down on my computer and began my day. So mm. uh, it was kind of a nice change. Um, at the same time, like driving anywhere, I was freaked out. I was like, <laughs> you know, what if I need to check the GPS or I need yes. to call 911 or something? And, um, you know, so it was it was a uh, it was very different feeling from you know your normal day to day life. Oh yeah, yeah. I I strongly believe that Google Maps helped in crushing our sense of distance and orientation. Like we we can't, yeah. Like even if you give me like a a paper map, I I I wouldn't know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, and I I remember when I first started driving, yeah. um, I had an atlas of the the state I lived in, North Carolina. Yeah. Um, and so if I needed to, to drive somewhere, I would look up the map, find the grid of that area I was in and like figure out my way around. And, yeah, exactly. You know, and now it's, you know, what is an Atlas? You just yeah. pull Google maps. And <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Now it's science insane. Like, are you sure you're going somewhere you've never been without mm -hmm. Google maps? Are you crazy? Yeah. You're going to get lost forever. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, technology, but it's really helpful anyway. <laughs> Yeah. 
so uh, other than living like a caveman for the past yeah. week, what else have you have you been doing? Uh, so I've been a bit burned out the last, uh, I don't know, four to six weeks. Uh, I've been working a lot for work. I've got, I've got a project where, you know, every week I do a demo and they want extra features. They want things changed Whoa. and it's kind of never ending. Um, coming to the end of that, but I've been burned out. And this week is Thanksgiving in the United States. So yeah, it's true. I have not, until right now, I have not touched a computer and since since Wednesday around noon. Um, so Wednesday at noon, I signed off. I was done for the week for, for the vacation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not going to touch a computer. So I think that really has helped me kind of reboot. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got some, I've got a couple of projects that I'm wanting to work on now that I'm, I feel very motivated about. Yeah, so, I saw your tweet. I don't know if you want to talk about your tweet, but that was really interesting. Yeah, so my mom works in real estate, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about building something to help try to generate leads for her. Um, so I'm thinking I'm going. I've been playing around a lot with Oxygen Builder. I, I like it a lot. I'm using it to redesign my website. Nice. So I'm going to use it to design a website for her that's going to pull in from the MLS API uh, a bunch of properties that are for sale. Uh, pull them in as as posts, as custom posts on to WordPress, mm-hmm. um, and build us a nice site that has a lot of posts for all the different uh, properties for sale, and yeah. tries to generate some people that are interested in them to give them their contract information, and then she can start trying to sell them houses. Thanks. Uh, that's the, the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Friday, there was actually a big deal on custom post type uh, or advanced, sorry, advanced custom fields pro. Oh uh, yes. 30% off. So I went ahead and bought that. Good um, stuff. Yes. Like unlimited, you know, and everything. Great so. choice. It's just like the regular price is just $100, right? Uh, 100 Australian. Yeah. Yeah. 100 Australian, which is like less in in US. And it's, yeah. it, I'm still impressed that I bought Advanced Custom Field Pro like five years ago. And that license is still valid. It's like real mm-hmm. lifetime. And three major releases of the Advanced Custom Field Pro were published and like my license still works it's it's incredible it's an incredible plug-in yeah and oxygen um they're at 99 dollars right now and they are yeah. going to raise it soon um mm-hmm. so it's it's also unlimited lifetime update yeah update. that's true so if you're interested in getting oxygen get it now before it goes up to like, yeah 30 or something yeah absolutely and if you want to check all the cool stuff with the new version that uh, this is my anchor boys uh <laughs> anchor man boy uh i did a review about oxygen 2.1 and there's a, a promo link in the description so if you decide to buy it just click on the link so they know that you're coming from from the review that i did and they're gonna ask me to do more reviews of that product because it's really fucking great it's just it's amazing it's amazing i love how clean the code like my main my main issues with page builders or theme builders is that they they just spit out garbage code yeah. that as soon as you stop using that that specific plugin you come up with like you end up with a website that is not maintainable you have to restart from scratch because the code generated the html even is just a mess instead oxygen builder is really good with html5 like it builds a proper structure like a real mm-hmm. developer would do definitely geared towards developers i mean everything's like flexbox and you can choose like do you want this to be a div or do you want yeah. to be a section or a header tag exactly and, um so it's it's definitely not geared towards people that are just you know i don't know anything about web development but i want to make a website and, mm-hmm. and just uh, yeah, so uh, what about you? What are you been working on? Uh, okay, I was in Lisbon three weeks ago or something. I don't think. Did we do a, 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 an episode after I came back from Lisbon? 
No. No. Okay. Um, yeah. I did a, a quick video review about my experience of the Web Summit. It was incredible anyway, super overwhelming, but Lisbon, a lovely city. And I met a lot of cool people, cool startups that are doing s such great work. And um, in the meantime, I've been trying to make the SSH tunnel work in SQLer, which mm -hmm. it's a shit show. It's so complicated because. Oh. Um, by default, by design, the SSH tunneling in Bash or whatever, like in, in, in a common line application, a common line tool, it's a session blocker. That means that you cannot run that and then on top run something else. That's why when you have the terminal, you open an SSH connection, that's it. The SSH is open and you cannot use the same terminal window to do something else. You're inside your SSH server yeah. and that's it. Until you close that connection, you cannot do anything else other than chatting in your, like doing something in your server via SSH. So the problem with SQL is that I was triggering the SSH connection. It was working and then I was trying to do the port forwarding. So say, hey, if you connect to the local port, actually connect to the forwarded port from the SSH, but that there's no physical way to go back. Just like, okay, now leave the SSH open, but go back to the main loop and actually yeah. connect and open the connection. Like there's, it just freezes and it stays there. It's connected, but it stays there. So I have no idea what to do. <laughs> there are a couple of developers from, um, actually from Flathub or like Flatpak in general that they're helping me out. They're doing a mm -hmm. lot of cool pull requests and improving the code upon. And we're trying to split the code into basically services, like standalone services that they do the things in the background uh, asynchronously. And then they, uh, emit a signal to the main application. And when the main application receives the signal of the SSH is open, that triggers the main connection of the database. It's just, it's just a mess. I've been working on this for the past three weeks and I'm getting so frustrated because it's totally out of my, out of my league. Like, I don't know what I'm doing yeah. and I'm trying to make it work. I thought it would be really simple to just, you know, connect and then run everything against that. But yeah, uh, I I was I was expecting that, especially because on macOS it is that simple. Right. Like you have the library that does that. You have the SSH library that allows you to open a connection in the background, and then when you get a positive response, the connection is open. You can let your application do whatever. But apparently on Linux, the libssh li library it doesn't work like that. <laughs> it's good. It wasn't it wasn't considered that. In fact, it's funny because on Twitter, I was I was talking about the idea of building this thing in in SQL. Or a lot of Linux developers they answered me like, "Don't do that. Just don't <laughs> don't integrate like straight off like not not without ex not even without explaining. It. Just like, no, you shouldn't do that. Just mm -hmm. if a user wants SSH tunneling, should open a terminal, do SSH tunneling, and then use SQL to connect the database. There's no need to integrate these two things. Now I understand why they've yeah. been telling me not to do that. <laughs> this is fucking insane. But, uh, yeah, I hope you're able to get it though, because that'd be a, a really awesome feature. Oh yeah, that would be super helpful, especially because now with SkySeal come basically all my stuff. It's it's just remote, and I'm all my databases, and I'm rebuilding my website as well. I just published everything, and yeah, these developers were 
they're helping me a lot and they're actually rewriting yeah. a lot of my code, which I kind of don't like it, but I see why <laughs> they are rewriting because it's better, but I'm, I'm really jealous of my code. I'm like, oh, why are you changing this? But, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, pretty much it. That's it. I, at work, we, we, we published a new version of Ritual Music and we launched that super cool and incredibly expensive giveaway that we're doing. I don't yeah. know if you saw it. Yeah, like twenty thousand dollars in uh, like film gear. Yeah, exactly. It's it's incredible. I, especially it was exciting because I was the one in charge of picking all the products. They they told me, okay, oh. this is the budget. You do the bundle. I was like yes, <laughs> it's just like oh. let's let's get a four K drone, a MacBook Pro with four terabytes. Only the MacBook costs seven thousand dollars because it has like a built-in GPU with four gigs of RAM, uh, four gigs of memory. For a laptop. For a laptop, yes. Uh, four terabytes in NVMe drive, which is insanely fast. Oh, yeah. That's that's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. And there's uh, the new i9 with how many <laughs> cores? Like twenty thousand cores? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, your your redesign is that uh, that's using a uh, view completely, right? As a as a single page app. Yes, exactly. The entire back end it's API based on Laravel, and uh, the front end it's completely Vue.js. So the the entire router it's a view router. We we just have only one route in the API. On sorry, in the web route of Laravel that is just catch all and redirects to view. And it's yeah, it's also based on Tailwind CSS. We use Tailwind CSS to to do the 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 utility for CSS, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's very cool. The, the new design looks really slick. Thank you. Yeah, I've 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 been designing that for the past nine months, and <laughs> so happy. Like I like when someone reacts like, oh, it's just it looks like Spotify, like it's a diminishing thing. But it's yeah. like for me, it's a good thing because that's the feeling that I wanted to give. I feel like something that it's it's known and it's common, and mm -hmm. you have pretty much like zero learning curve. It's just like the learning curve is so flat because oh, I know this interface. I'm used to this right. interface. It's not a complete ripoff. It's really highly customized, but it reflects the usability of Spotify, which every user knows basically. Like there's no learning curve. Yeah, you don't want to fix something that's not broken, right? Yeah, exactly. Why we should reinvent the wheel every yeah. time. Okay, um, let's start with these news of the week or the past week of the past three weeks because we haven't done this episode in the past three weeks. Uh, so there's a little trend going on recently and I got just got the new design uh, or like the new version of Instagram on my Android. And a lot of social media, Instagram was the first one and now Twitter is following with some redesigning. They're trying to get rid of the uh, followers count or at least remove the main focus of the app or your personal profile from the followers count to your actual content. Mm -hmm. Because as I probably mentioned, or we talked about this, numbers are evil. And I don't, I don't know if you remember, I said that the new YouTube studio beta interface 
It's just, I hate it. It's just terrible. It gives me anxiety every time I open it because it's just numbers and yeah. it, it just uh, an extreme gamification of your of your stuff. Like every time you upload a video yeah. is that, oh, it's performing 40% less than your previously uploaded 10 videos right. and your stats are down and the error is down and then, oh, but the views are up, but then the views are up compared to the first three videos that you publish. It's just, it's fucking terrible. It's just it's numbers. a lot of features. So you go to, to live stream and it's like, well, where is this at? Oh, you have to switch back to the classic. Yeah. You know, you have to go to a completely different website just to set up the stream and Yeah, also to to put advertising. If you want to put some ads on your video, you have to go to the old website. But they focus a lot on these numbers in front of you, the numbers of subscribers, the number of views, the number of minutes watched, the numbers of how much you make, the numbers of how much your videos made compared to the previous video that you uploaded. It's just terrible. And users are kind of getting sick of this. And social media are starting to to follow sort of this new trend of trying to make less stressful your social media experience uh, i don't know if you had the if you saw the update you got the update from instagram i'm not sure um i haven't noticed any difference on instagram i, I mean i just got a new phone and installed uh -huh. it i don't think any like updates but, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but if you go to your profile on Instagram uh -huh. now, well, the picture is on the right and then your name is bigger and your description is bigger. And then the number of followers and following are down to the left and super small, like are as small as the text size or font size of your description. So you have to actually look for it. You don't see it as a first thing. It's not yeah. like... Well, I still have my old one then because I, I just pulled it up and it's like the yeah. first thing is here's your post followers and how many yeah. you're <laughs> Exactly. Uh, it's it's interesting because I I kind of like like this trend of just don't, don't consider, don't give too much importance to your numbers. The problem is that, yes, but social medias are all about numbers, especially yeah. in on Instagram, you cannot access some spe specific features if you don't have a specific amount of followers. So, okay, yes, remove it, but then you should change the kind of like the business model of your mm -hmm. social media. Otherwise, just changing the design doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and I mean, getting like the, the likes and stuff, it's kind of addicting. Like, well, no, well, this picture I posted and it got you know, more likes than the last one. And, um, you know, like I remember my, my sister-in-law, this was a couple of years ago, she she posted a picture and I went back looking for it, and I was like, oh, where's that picture that, that you took of, of you and your son? She's like, oh, I didn't get enough likes on it, so I deleted it. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like it's a game. It's more of a game to see, you know, what your number can be as opposed to, um, you know, oh, I'm just sharing, you know, this is my life kind of thing. Oh, wow. So you're supposed to be ashamed if you don't get enough likes. Exactly, and you, yeah. you just have to keep all the pictures that have the most likes. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Oh, uh, That's apparently the, the point of it. So I should delete my whole account then. Okay, <laughs> great. Oh, that's absurd. Oh, my God, yes. Uh, well, whatever. Uh, social media are stupid if you get addicted and you try mm -hmm. to turn them into like a full-time job or... It's oh, just yeah. like it's everyone loses. It's just so terrible. I don't know if you notice like all these influencers or whatever the, the people that they work in social media they're all 
immensely depressed and they're not <laughs> happy. It's absurd. Like every time a, a video comes up uh, from like an influencer or a social media personality, hey, I have depression and anxiety and I want to quit. Oh, guess what? It's not a news. Like it's normal. All these things are wired to make us feel depressed. So yeah <laughs> that's the thing but moving on yeah uh so wordpress 5.0 release candidate is out mm -hmm. they were supposed to release like the full 5.0 I, I think in two days from now on the 27th yes um, they've pushed it back which is a very good thing um i am i've not tried the the rc of you uh yes i did and did. uh it's a I like it personally, I feel like it's as stable as having the 4.9 plus the Gutenberg plugin installed. Yeah. Is pretty much exactly the same because other than basically like working on Gutenberg and the, mm -hmm. the full integration, they didn't change much for the rest. Yeah, like that's the, what I've heard. Yeah, the settings API are still a fucking mess and the... <laughs> Uh, the customizer API were left behind completely. The customizer was the new fancy things and now completely ignored. I really uh, liked the customizer. I thought it had a, a lot of potential. It was... Yeah, me too. I think they should have been like evolving that and allowing editing posts through the customizer, not completely yeah. build a new text editor completely from scratch, but whatever. But yeah, no, it's uh, still the same problems and still the same things. Yeah, and, and so now they have a classic editor plugin so that so when you good. get WordPress 5, you can get a plugin so you can go back to the old editor. And what's funny is if you look at the ratings on, on Gutenberg plugin and the classic editor plugin is that the Gutenberg plugin has horrible reviews, like tons of reviews, and it's all like oh, 2.5 or something average. And then the classic editor has like this high, like near 5.0 rating where everybody's like, oh, this this thing is is amazing. And, um, you know, it's like I, I want to see WordPress, WordPress move forward with, you know, some new technologies and things. But it's got such bad reviews and, and so many people have had problems with Gutenberg that it's like everybody wants to just install the classic editor. So you upgrade to five. WordPress 5.0 and then you install classic editor and you basically have old WordPress. <laughs> yeah, you just don't upgrade. Yeah, no, it's it's stupid. It's kind of ridiculous. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm kind of baffled, especially by the whole thing. I don't know if you follow this guy on Twitter called Martin Rand Hendrickson. Uh, his Twitter handle is more and then 10, number 10, because his name is Morten, so okay. <laughs> more number 10. Uh, this guy is really like heavily involved in the WordPress community. I think he participated also uh, in the release of older versions of WordPress. He's been like, he's mostly famous for his video on uh, Grid CSS. He was like the guy that did this massive presentation on Grid CSS, it was really good. But He's been tweeting a lot about WordPress 5 and has been openly criticizing WordPress 5, especially for the release strategy and the roadmap. Yeah. And the, his recent tweets are basically uh, reporting of unresolved issues. So they literally like WordPress released the release candidate, which is in software development, a release candidate, it's something that you think it's bug-free and mm -hmm. you're it's almost ready to be like the the final version or the final release of your new version the new version yeah. of your product instead the release candidate of wordpress was released with 70 almost 70 unreleased uh, like unresolved issues plus 14 breaking features that were pushed to wordpress 5.1 and yeah it's just 
like who releases a release candidate with 70 like seven zero open bug tickets and bug yeah. reports which haven't been fixed and gutenberg also uh another thing is introducing old uh shenanigans like old issues that were present in the regular uh editor of wordpress like the responsive images like you you upload a, an image and it's not by default it's not responsive so you have a fixed width and if you don't hack it or you don't use your own custom CSS to make it responsive, it's not going to scale. And if you don't use a plugin to uh, use dynamically the best resolution, because whenever I upload an image, automatically WordPress generates the small, large, medium, and the original size, Gutenberg or the usual editor, they don't pick the proper image based on the resolution but other plugins do and has been like they have been doing this for i don't know five years right. but yeah it's not implemented into gutenberg which is kind of like kind of like absurd because it's all javascript it's all dynamic you should be able to easily do it but yeah, yeah. it's it's what what do you think about this it's like it looks like like wordpress was kind of like the center or like the example of good software development, like great backward compatibility down to 10 years, great stability yeah. and ease of fixing and debugging. And yeah, instead now is it feels like they're trying to catch up with the competition, but it's not really done yeah. properly. I don't know. It's like you know, they're calling this 5.0. I mean, this is this is a major version, and all they're really doing is changing the editor. Yeah, um, it's it's almost like they they should have spent the time to develop 5.0 to be you know bring WordPress up to you know more modern uh, development standards. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe bring in MVC or like you said, the settings API is a complete mess. Yeah. Um, you know, bring all that stuff up to more modern practices in terms of development. And yeah, sure, Gutenberg. Okay, why don't we just make it as a cool plugin that you can that's already added to WordPress that you can activate? You know, you can delete it, you can activate it, whatever it's there. Mm -hmm. uh, but I feel like saying WordPress 5.0 is just Gutenberg is just kind of like a letdown. It feels like also if you check the roadmap of the WordPress core, it feels like uh, even all the future version of WordPress up until 5.1 will be mostly focused on Gutenberg. Because all the issues that they've been having, they've been pushed to next version, like future version of WordPress. Previous issues that have been tracked for years, they have been completely ignored. And I don't think they will tackle them. It's just kind of like really, really stupid. And after working, personally, after working with Laravel for almost two years and now going back to WordPress to build my website, I really see the struggle and the lack of technology or the lack of ease of developing something. As a developer, it feels really old. It still feels like really clunky and... I don't know, I think it's going to lose market like a lot and it's going to break a lot of websites, a lot of like un, like users that they don't know all these things, they're going to upgrade and they're going to have Gutenberg built in and their theme is going to crush because it's not it's not built for that. Yes, and if you're listening and you have a WordPress site, please back up before you upgrade. Oh my God. Back up or even like run it on a staging server or run it locally and upgrade just to see what's going to happen because... Uh, I mean, this is a major release. I mean, when when was 4.0 released? It was 
several several years ago, right? Uh, almost eight years ago. I I still remember three point seven was eleven years ago. Yeah. Because three point seven <laughs> is when the settings API were introduced. Because when I when I uh, decided to build AWPS with the object oriented programming and the settings API class to tap the API with method chaining and being more sane. I started doing a lot of research on the settings API, and then I found the history of the settings API that were introduced in version 3.7, and they haven't changed much since. So it's a 11 years old code, still runs, and is still used by pretty much all plugin, like every plugin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a new kid in town that is not really new, but it's called Linux Brew. So if you worked or you use Mac, you know that the, the Mac OS ecosystem doesn't have by default a package manager. So the, there's this thing called Homebrew. And the Homebrew, it's literally a package manager that it builds and allows you to download all these packages, PHP or uh, Node.js packages, whatever you want, libraries, locally without the necessity of having root permission. So without being a sudo user and installing as a sudo on your system. So it's really good because it keeps your system clean. You can have your customized environment locally in your home directory without affecting your system. And uh, it's great on a Mac, it's right? I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't live without it. But then now there's this fork of homebrew for Linux called Linux Brew. And it was funny in the Reddit uh, Linux <laughs> community, <laughs> reading all the comments, like you avoid the racist comment and all the people just right. like screaming at each other. Typical but, comments. Yeah, typical like Linux garbage <laughs> dumpster fire of the Reddit community. But it was interesting because there are a lot of comments related to how it was actually useful because there are a lot of system administrators or even like regular developers that they have access to Linux computers, but they don't have root access. They don't have pseudo access. So even the simplest thing of installing PHP on your system because you need to run it, uh, it wasn't possible unless going to the system administrator and asking, hey, can you install PHP on my machine via APT or whatever package manager they're using? And Linux Brew is giving them the ability to install it locally without pseudo and solves a lot of issue. Mm, what do you think? <laughs> Uh, I I don't know. I mean, this is uh, I mean, definitely something to check out. I mean, I've I've never been really locked out of Linux environments, or if I have, I've always had a system administrator that I could be like, mm -hmm. hey, you know what? I need a place that can run, you know, Laravel. So I need, um, you know, I need PHP. I need Apache or Nginx, and I need to be able to connect to a certain database type. And um, so it's never really been an issue. Yeah. Uh, but um. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I I don't know. It's I feel like it's so easy to install things on Linux that if you do have your own environment, and you have root and everything, then it's yeah. just like whatever you know, apt-get install PHP seven yeah, exactly. two or whatever, and it's like <laughs> it's done. So yeah, a lot of people they commented, "This is stupid. It's just like." another package manager that is not even tied to your system. So it's an extra thing completely. It just adds an extra level of complexity, which we don't need it. But yeah, no, I can see like both pros and cons, but I feel like APT or like whatever the built-in package manager of uh, a Linux distribution should allow to install locally, yeah. like mm -hmm. local packages and not as a pseudo. That would be really sweet. That would solve a lot of issues. I agree with that. I think that would be very helpful.
Yeah, exactly. Ah, whatever. It's it's a package. Like I think I'm gonna try to install it on a partition and see if it's actually useful. It's especially to see how hard then is to wire your stuff on your computer to actually use the locally installed version of the things instead of the the global PHP version of nginx or whatever. Just yeah, use the the local install with Linux Brew. Let's see, Let's see how hard it is, but. That's it. Moving on. Uh, Natron. Have you ever used Natron? I have not, no. Ah, Natron is an open source. Is it open source? No, I don't think it's open source, but it's a free uh, software for uh, VFX, for visual effects. And I use Natron personally to build a beautiful, beautiful intro to my videos. And I'm, I'm still baffled that it's a free software because it's so powerful. It's node-based. You can do a lot of... Uh, cool VFX graphics. The problem is that it's basically unmaintained and it's been um, not even like a, a quick patch or a quick fix has been released for the past four months. The last one was on yeah. August 2018. And this, there's this really good article written on Liber Graphics Word about the demise of Natron. And it kind of like starts analyzing the history of Natron, how it was funded and how it was being able to stay free. But then it takes an extra step and goes like, is this an issue, like a generic issue of all the open source project that they get big with a big community and then they get sort of like acquired or funded by a company and then they don't get developed anymore because they they have no funding. So is is this like the sort of like the glimpse of a non-sustainable business model for open source projects. Yeah, um, you know, I, I I did see on there, they were talking about they had put out um, bounties for, for fixing bugs and mm -hmm. that like no developer even submitted any pull requests or anything. So, uh, you know, it, it's sad to see a, a project die like this. Yeah, one of the major problems is like the, the code base. Like the majority of Natron is written in C++. Right, which not a lot of people work in nowadays. Yeah, exactly. And uh, then some through the years, they've been integrating like section of Qt and then a little bit of OpenGL and then a little bit of Python. So I'd say the code base is probably terrible and it's really hard to read and really hard to, yeah. to do something. That's one of the major issues of, of things. But I don't think it's it's a, it's a glimpse in the futures of open source project because there are a lot of open source projects that are massively successful like Krita oh, yeah. or Blender to not talk about all the other independent Linux distribution like Elementary OS, Solus or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like literally there, there's the, the, the main thing of an open source project, if you want it to be open source, if you want a, the community to be involved, your code has to be clean. Your code has to be readable. It has to be easy to contribute to your oh, project. Oh, definitely. I mean, there, there's a lot of open source out there that, uh, you know, you're like, oh, cool. I, you know, I'll look at this. I'll, I might contribute to it. And then you'll put it up and it's like, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> And it, it shouldn't take you weeks to figure out how to fix a bug on an open source project. If, if you know, they're going to get a lot of con contributors, it's got to be easy and it's got to be, or at least really well documented. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, documentation, like lacking of documentation is, is terrible. Like you don't know what to do. And I tried to do, before jumping on the crazy project of doing Akira, I tried <laughs> to do some PR or contribution to Inkscape because it's, I think they're, 
graphical engine of SVG is really powerful. It would be cool to do some PRs, but then you go to their repository and they have like hundreds of open pull requests that haven't been merged in years. And then the the source code is it's massive. It's just like so fucking complicated. And documentation, yes, they have a wiki, but it's pretty like basic level wiki. They say, okay, the code is based on C and then with some implementation of C++ and then uh, we use signals and objects and that's it. Like they, it's not, it's not really thorough. So it's really hard to, if you're not a developer already that knows all those things, it's really hard to jump into it. We'll see, we'll see. I hope, like, I really hope Natron doesn't die because I like it. Uh, And I think it's easier personally than doing, I know you can do VFX in Blender, but it's more complicated because you need to build more. Like, I don't, I feel like Blender is more for 3D and it's, yeah, yeah, it was built for 3D. So doing just 2D animation with Blender, it's yeah, you can do it, but it takes more time. And yeah, I really like the node-based interface of Natron. It was like really intuitive. But we'll yeah, see. Blender, it's like you gotta type certain keys and move the camera so that the plane is then facing mm-hmm. you directly at ninety degree angle. And then it's uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's really nerdy. It's like built by nerds for nerds, which is yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. But yeah, for a like a casual user that doesn't need to do any three D animation, it's like uh, it's kind of like. Uh, uh, hit in a brick wall. It's not great. <laughs> it's not funny. So the International Space Station, it's been up there for 20 years, unbelievably. Yeah. Uh, didn't realize it's been up there so long. Um, some astronaut opened up an old locker and found a whole bunch of floppy disks that include Windows 95 and 98 um, from you know some astronauts that were up there back in like 2000. And uh, so they've got pictures of all these like floppy disks just like floating around up there and uh, I mean, that's just incredible to me that it's like we were we were still using floppy disks back then. I mean, I'm a reasonable. 1998, but, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 do, I do remember installing Windows on a computer and it had like six floppy disks and you had to put them in like in a certain order. Yeah, true. Right, and for disk one. Okay, please yeah. take it out and put in disk two and it would yeah. copy files. And um, yeah, I yeah it's just funny that we have a we have a space station that still has floppy disks in it. <laughs> so. It this is amazing, but the real question is this: like, is that like that means the International Space Station for a period of time was running on Windows ninety five, or yeah. it was like a personal <laughs> floppy disk of an astronaut that's like, I like solitaire or like playing. Yeah, I mean, it, it is amazing, and I, I think about like before then when they were initially sending up like the Apollo missions to to the to the moon and. Like, what were they using back then? I mean, the code must have been terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it's like, what was the, the computation, total computation power of the Apollo 11s? Like, less than uh, the, the phone? Oh, what was yeah. That? 500 kilobytes or something? Yeah, and I know at one point that somebody made a mistake in the code and they were using the Imperial system instead of the metric, and it completely, like, made the rocket... I forget if it was on re-entry or something. It, it like it, whoopsie, it like crashed and burned, and it was because of a bad conversion in the code. And yeah, it's like <laughs> we we came a long way, definitely, from floppy disks to having an SD card with ten terabytes of data. Yeah. And, and now you can run the space station on on Node.js using Electron, right? Oh yeah, so fast. <laughs> 
with the, you know 20 terabytes of ram yeah exactly it's like i i, I don't want to believe that like any space things or any, anything that we put in space was running any sort of like windows version i don't want to believe yeah. that it's not <laughs> it's not it's not possible actually actually i know for a fact i know a friend of mine she worked at cern the hydron collider in switzerland oh, and wow. to do the calculation all the things were running windows 98 wow. and these like five years ago when Windows Vista was there, like, no, what was it? Windows 7, five years ago, Windows 7, yes. Wow, that's uh, crazy. Yeah, it's crazy because they built a system when that operating system was was like the, the best one available and all the software that they use or the data analysis and the, the even like the data storage type that they use, they're all compatible for that version. So they literally cannot upgrade. That's why they're on their own separated intranet that mm -hmm. doesn't allow automatic updates from the cloud or from the heater. Otherwise, <laughs> it's going to just crush the Hydron Collider and create a black hole because those computers cannot be upgraded. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty intense. Uh, you know the the movie series The Matrix, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if you ever saw it on YouTube. It's, it's an old video, but it's called like uh, If the Matrix Ran on Windows. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that thing is just, uh, just like on point with things. Yeah, like, it's just... You know, like, the loading bars is going up, but the time remaining is, is getting longer. <laughs> yes, it's true. That's exactly, that's not even satire. It's just, it's actually just like report, like jur journalism reporting of real life events. Moving on, uh, Vue.js 3 apparently, allegedly, was uh, presented at a Vue conference in Toronto, and we cannot find anything about it. Yeah, <laughs> all I've heard is is uh, I've heard a few things. Uh, for one, uh, they're dropping IE support, um, which, which is good. Yes, it is good. Uh, View two point five, I think, or two point four, is where they are right now, and they were you know really wanting to you know push this thing forward, and they were just running into limitations due to com compatibility with IE. Mm -hmm. So with Vue JS three, uh, Edge will be supported, and you know of course all modern browsers will be supported. But mm -hmm. they're dropping support for IE. They will continue developing Vue two point five in parallel, so that uh, they can bring new features to IE. Um, it's just not going to be as good, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, Vue three is supposed to be much smaller. Mm -hmm. uh, which means much faster load times on your web apps and also much faster than Vue 2. So um, that's very exciting to see what it's going to be like. And uh, I'm not sure when they're going to release it, but hopefully sometime soon because I want to play with it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can't wait to play it. And I remember I right after the conference, there was a blog post that came up and I started reading it. It was really detailed. It was showing also some highlights on how the template system syntax was getting less verbose and easier and lighter to write uh, with less you know sometimes when you have to return data in Vue.js you have to put a you know return function that you open the data model and then you open an array and then you put that array inside another object and then you return that object it's kind of like sometimes like, uh, that's complicated yeah it's, it's quite a bit of overkill yeah and then there was also these uh, other section that was saying that uh, 
they wanted to implement built-in discoverability of all the packages. So it wasn't necessary anymore to say view.use and put the package name. If you had the package installed and in a template or in a script section, you were using the name of the package, automatically view was going to include that package just in that view, just in that template. So not globally, but just when it was necessary to make it faster. Uh, but I cannot find the blog post anymore. Really, like it's upsetting me so much because it, it was so good. It was so detailed. So now it disappears. So I don't know if I'm really bad at Googling and I completely forgot what it did or they actually deleted it because they weren't supposed to release so many details. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more like mm-hmm. detailed information on it. Um, but it all sounds very exciting right now. It is. I'm, I'm kind of slightly terrified about the upgrading process <laughs> because also like R- ritual music the front end it's all Vue.js and it's highly customized and right i'm so yeah since they're gonna break a lot of backward compatibility for the new version i don't know well, when i'm gonna actually put aside some time to upgrade it yeah i mean from what i've heard it's it's not going to be like view one to view two where it was like everything was broken it's yeah. it's really good to be you know just kind of modernizing it so hopefully it won't be too bad of a task for you mm-hmm. uh, oh otherwise we can wait for another third-party service to come up like those laravel upgrade services that you pay yeah. nine bucks and they upgrade it for you <laughs> Yeah, yeah, those things are are like we have a Laravel app at at my full time position, and it is it is a huge app. So, um, you know, upgrading Laravel and paying nine dollars for it to do everything for you is just yeah. like, you know, it's, yeah, that's no dude. brainer. I can spend hours doing this, or I can spend nine bucks. <laughs> yeah, take my money all the time. Like, yeah. Go for it. Just do it. If you break it, you pay back, and you also get the consequences. I don't, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, our team is is growing really fast. Um, our company have seen, has seen what we're capable of doing, and they're just like, "All right, we have tons for you to do, and you know how else can you do it?" And we're like, "Well, we need more developers." So nice. Uh, we are hiring another mid-level, uh, sadly U.S. based only. Um, they they even really want them to be at Little Rock, Arkansas, but they are willing to open it up to more remote uh-huh. developers. Uh, all of us are remote. There's a couple of us that are in Arkansas. They're still, you know, a couple hours from the main office. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so if you're a mid-level US-based developer that has Laravel experience, uh, we'd love to see your resume and talk to you. Yeah. Uh, so just reach out to me on Twitter, on wherever. Um, you may have seen we actually had an ad on uh, larajobs.com. Nice. Um, on there, it doesn't even say remote. It says Little Rock, but, uh, you know. If, if you're interested, definitely let us know. I'd, I'd love to speak to you. Nice. Good stuff. It's great. It's great when the team is growing. Like, how's yeah. the integration of the new developers in your team? It's been great. I mean, earlier this year, it was just me and an architect, and we brought in one developer that was already working for us, but not in the Laravel space. Mm-hmm. Uh, we brought him in. We just hired two more this fall. Uh, one of the guys, I, I met him at Laracon, actually, and um, I was I was like at a train station by myself, like, I don't even know if this is the right train. How do I get to Laracon? And he shows up and he's like, hey, are you going to Laracon? I was like, I'm going to Laracon too. Uh, so we met there and then he ended up interviewing and, and just got hired. Uh, so that's why I was in I was in Little Rock uh, two weeks ago. Uh, met him at the office as well as the other guy we hired a few weeks earlier. Nice. Uh, 
we worked on getting his computer set up and walking, working him through the code, showing him the architecture and everything. And um, so, yeah, he's uh, he's off and running. And uh, we've gone from just two of us to having, a, uh, you know, me as a senior dev, an architect, and three mid-level developers. And we're going to have one more. Wow. Uh, I'd really like to also hire one, like, junior, like, entry-level position. Yeah. I uh, just haven't gotten the funds for that yet. But, uh mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy going, you know, into an actual full team, and now we're like, all right, we really need documentation. We really need to focus on code reviews and, uh, you know, stuff that we kind of before just like, you know, me and other guys were like, hey, is this good? Yeah, okay, sure, yeah, ship it. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing, right? So it's something that it's kind of like gonna happen in a couple of weeks. Oh no, sorry, actually, like a couple of months in my office. Right now, we're just the two of us, and yeah. the lead developer, and then the other meet medium like meet developer, and. Mm-hmm. We have a pretty good workflow, like everything is separated in different branches and we do pull requests and we do comments, but it's mostly like, hey, does this look good? Yeah, it works. Okay, push it. Like, it's just yeah. like that. So how, like, it's happening to you. How did you, how did you manage to change your workflow? Did you actually change it? What are the main struggles of this? Like, can can you tell, I'm, I'm honestly curious about these things because I'm going to have to do it soon. <laughs> Yeah, so we're we're kind of in a weird space right now where half the team is working on one project and I'm kind of off doing a separate project altogether. Mm. Um, it's all kind of part of the one app, but we're kind of working on two completely separate pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty soon we are going to have to kind of bring everything together, merge all the code, um, and start really putting together, you know, some uh, code guidelines on um, like just code style, basically. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're all pretty good about commenting the code. We're just, we don't have any good place of actual documentation on the code. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm pushing forward, I'm pushing for a view, uh, a view press site. Yeah. Uh, I know a couple other guys were wanting to do like an old school wiki, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, so, so we have a lot of stuff that we reuse throughout the code. Like, um, we're still using angular JS, mm-hmm. but I wrote a package or, or a module that is for building modals. Um, you know, just, we have some that are just like alert modal. Some of them are just forms. Like, oh, you click this button. Okay. We need to fill out these three things and submit it. Um, so we've got that one place that kind of handles all that, but we don't have any documentation saying, oh, if you want a form modal, this is how you do it. Here's example code. Um, oh, you just want an alert box. Here's an example code for that. It's just kind of like, well, you have to go into this modal service.js file and look at the comments and yeah. figure it out yourself. And, uh, so our plans are once we get these two projects done and shipped is we're going to take some time to really look through our app, refactor things, clean it up and, and focus on documentation and, and finishing out like we're, we're behind on unit tests too. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Like all the time, like TDD is just a myth. <laughs> yes, it, it totally is in the workplace. You don't have time for that. <laughs> Yeah, it's just break things and then fix it. And then, okay, I'm going to write a test maybe about this thing that I yeah. just fixed, but that's it. Actually, from like remaining about Laravel, uh, I had an issue uh, with a unit test. Basically, what's happening um, in a, we have uh, the checkout process in our application. It's all based on event, event and listeners. And every mm-hmm. time it happens something, we trigger an event and we have the listeners that have the 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 step by step it calls different events in a specific order and we handle base if it's a checkout of a song if it's checkout of credit or an invoice and blah blah um, there's these new functionality that we implemented that you have a referral code so you send a referral if the user 
sign ups, signs up, and then uh, does a purchase. It buys a song. The user that referred that user that bought a song is going to get $25 in credit. Mm -hmm. So inside this application, inside the event listener shenanigans here of checkout, it checks at the end after being charged and after the order is completed, it checks if it was a referral like the user had. It's in the referral user table, whatever. And then checks if the credit were not credited already. It just triggers another event. And it's all working. It's all fine. The problem with the test, in order to run or write a test to mock an event, you, you have to simulate the trigger of the event. Because if you run a test and you push the, the API call and you push the event, it actually triggers the event. So it starts sending emails and starts sending like, it, the test doesn't account to for the code to say, hey, this is a test, don't actually do it. It's just like triggers literally everything, which is insane. <laughs> uh, so you have to mock the event. You have the ability in Laravel to create a fake event, create yeah. a mockery application, and then trigger that. The problem with the mocking of application, you can mock only one listener at the time. Uh. So because in our workflow, we have the first listener that is checkout, and then the second listener gets triggered if we need to credit the user, we cannot test that. And it's driving me crazy because literally, like, if I test the first um the first uh, listener it works if i test the second of the credit listener as a standalone it works but if i test the whole process together i cannot mock two listeners at once and listen to them listen for them for their response in the test at the same time or it's the first or it's the second that's, yeah, that's interesting <laughs> problem. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is insane, and I I cannot find example. It's such a like a unique example that I cannot find any information online. Is driving me kind of insane. So I think what I'm gonna do to solve this problem because it's a really important section. So I want to test it. I don't want to ship it with. Actually, we already ship it. It's already there. We test it manually. It works. So finger crossed. But I don't want to leave it like that. It's really important. We're just giving away free money. I don't want to accidentally give away more or to random right. people. Uh, I think I'm going to extract the um, checking of the like giving credit to the user to a standalone event. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to trigger the event as a last one in the workflow of the listener. So I can test that event in the same listener because it's part of the same listener. Right now I can go to virtual music, try to break it and get and get free stuff, right? Oh yes, go go for it. Just use, <laughs> like and if you get a couple of thousand dollars in, in credit, uh we're we're definitely not gonna remove it because we, we we're we're nice guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Actually it <laughs> happens to a user. He tried uh his email was I'm gonna make make up this email because I don't want to give it for real. His email was like, for example, one, two, three, four, five, and then Alex at gmail.com. And then he sent seven referrals to one, two, three, four, five, six, Alex at gmail, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Alex, and approved all these referrals for himself. So he got like $300 of free credit. And we, we watch, well, like we, we keep track of all this thing. We watch it as like, come on. Dude, we we blocked his account. We sent him an email. Okay, we we enjoy that you really like our platform, but please. 
Give us money. <laughs> yeah, don't. It's, it's if you try to scam us, don't be so obvious. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> Silly. Okay, let's conclude with a bunch of recommendations for our users. And my recommendation, personally, is to watch The Sinner on Netflix. They just released season two, and actually with Sabrina, we watched it when we were in Lisbon. Instead of sleeping, we were watching The Sinner <laughs> because, you know, jet lag, we didn't know what oh, yeah. to do. And it's just so good. It's it's great. It's the first season, it's shocking and expecting. The second season, you kind of expect what's going to happen because it's kind of like a repeated, but then you learn more things and they, they completely shift the story at halfway through the season. It's just so addictive. So definitely it's good for a long weekend because otherwise you're not going to have enough time to, to binge watch it. And you're, you're going to want it to binge watch it because it's, that's the type of TV series that needs to be binge watched. It's so good. <laughs> nice. I'll check it out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you have any recommendation for our users, books and shit? Uh, books and shit. <laughs> books and shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Uh, I know you're doing the uh, the Laravel series, which is which is awesome. I'm I'm personally looking forward to the the Vala series. Yes. Um, uh, and and hopefully I'll I'll start back into a, a series soon. I, I feel like I'm coming out of a burnout, so I think I'll get back into making videos and mm -hmm. I've, I've got, I've been taking lots of notes on blog posts. So I'm hopefully going to start writing again. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. The trick is as usual, like pace yourself. Like I tried yeah. to do the same when like at work, it was a crazy week a week ago because we pushed the new app and we pushed the, uh, the giveaway. And of course, as soon as we pushed the giveaway, we got thousands of users per second. And we sort of like found millions of different bugs that users couldn't sign up. The usual shenanigans when oh, you yeah. push your application, right? So like I was trying at the end of the day, coming back home is like, okay, now I need to publish this video or I need to record this or I need to do the design from a website. I was like, why? Like I worked so much whole day and now i'm so tired why i need to push more and burn myself so no oh yeah exactly i mean that, that was the last thing is at the end of the day is i wanted to do more code i i just spent the evenings just sitting on the couch vegging out watching you know just whatever's on tv to, nice. just to stay away from code <laughs> yes well now you can watch the sinner come on yeah <laughs> that's a good recommendation <laughs> Okay, well, uh, that's pretty much it for this episode. Uh, where can people find you, Chris? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris J. Perko. You can find me at chrisperko.net, which is my blog that I haven't updated in like three months. <laughs> Boo. Uh, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> uh, you can find me on YouTube, um, just wherever. Just wherever. I'm you can find way. Chris wherever. Yes. Chris is everywhere. It's just it's like always present. It's always watching you. I'm watching, yes. Yeah, <laughs> watching you guys. Uh, okay, and you can find me whatever as well. Like all the links are in the description below this podcast. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you guys for listening to these and leave a like, up, subscribe and do whatever you want. Just spread the verb and enjoy enjoy the rest of the long weekend in of Thanksgiving if you're listening to this during Thanksgiving. Otherwise, uh, we'll talk to you in the next one and happy coding. Yes, have a great hacking day. It's fantastic. <laughs> just a day, not like a, a, a week, a month, just one. Just one. <laughs> so good. <laughs>